This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Josh. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. <laughs> terrible. Tan just all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics, and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut Did up, just... colonizer! <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You on Twitter at VFU Podcast. So you can find them, you can find them. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? All right. Good. Oh, and I forgot. For part of this episode, we got a little youngling next to us. We're not afraid to say youngling here because younglings is the proper term for the Star Wars universe for a child. And I'm not afraid to call you a purple potato. Tato. And that would be the junior smuggler, Zoe. How's everyone doing? Doing good. Getting ready for Triple Force Friday this Friday. Oh, wow. It is this Friday. Yeah. Okay. Well, hold on a quick second. Got someone buzzing in on the uh, comm lines. Okay. So the comm link is connected. We have joining us on the line from his own smuggler's realm here in the Star Wars universe, uh, author and writer. Um, he's written Vader and his little princess, um, the Jedi Academy books, uh, the newest one, which we're going to talk about tonight, Ray and Pals. 
That's Jeffrey Brown. How's everyone doing? Hi, good. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So uh, tell us a little bit about Ray and Pals since it has just recently come out. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I did a, a lot of Star Wars books in a very short time and I knew the new films were coming out and um, I was excited to, you know, watch the, the new movies just as a fan and not not worry about, you know, how I would um, make make the new material into books. And so I uh, took a break from the Star Wars books, but, uh, you know, by the, by the time The Force Awakens came out, you know, I'd get requests at conventions to sketch sketch Ray and then I'd, you know, be at San Diego Comic Con and kids would be coming up dressed as like Ray with like little brother dressed up as BB eight and um by the time Last Jedi came out I was, you know, starting to get excited about, you know, these new characters and, and what what it'd be like to draw them in a book. And so um it just felt like the right time to to get back into the Star Wars universe and that, that led to Ray and Pals. So I have a couple questions. Great. Yeah, go ahead. What inspired you to write the Jedi Academy series? So the the Jedi Academy series came about through Scholastic, the publisher. They had been talking to Lucasfilm about wanting to do a a middle grade series and um, so they, uh, my editor at Lucasfilm was J.W. Rinsler, and he uh, suggested me to Scholastic as a, as a person to uh, see if I could take on that series. And so they came to me, and, and that led to Jedi Academy. It was um, the idea was kind of uh, you know taking taking middle school, and you know you have the cool kids are the rebels, and the bullies are the Sith, and um, and I use a lot of my own life, my my own experiences in middle school to, to kind of tap into and kind of tell those stories. But then I got to add lightsabers and droids and Ewoks and things. If you were to write about a Star Wars character next, who would you want to write about? Well, I'd, I'd really like to write about um, the characters from Rogue One and from Solo, like especially like K2SO. I, I really loved um, him and, and Jin and, um, you know, Cassius, young Lando. Yeah, Cassian. So all those all those characters would be would be fun. So Rogue One gets a little dark, so it's a little harder to to envision what I would do with with those characters. But um, maybe maybe sometime I'll get to, to draw them, too. Maybe a story with Baze and Cherry. Yeah. What was your favorite book that you've written so far? Hmm. I, I think I, I'm still really happy with Darth Vader and Son. It was the first Star Wars book I did. Um, so that that right there was just was just like the dream come true. Like I grew up with Star Wars and I always thought it would be, you know, the best job in the world to, to like just draw Star Wars. And I by the time I started drawing comics, I never really imagined that that would be something I could do. So so that was made that book really special. And then also, you know, the book's based a lot on, on my experience as, as a dad with, with my son, Oscar, and him him when he was four years old. And, and so the, the book is also very personal that way. Who was your favorite Star Wars character? My favorite Star Wars character has always been, well, I, get, I can't say it's always been Yoda because he didn't show up until Empire Strikes Back, but... Um, Yoda is, is, is my favorite. I like, I love just how funny he is. I think Yoda, when Yoda first shows up in Empire Strikes Back, 
it's you know it's one of the funniest scenes in any movie let alone just the star wars films um and so he's probably my favorite but i you know i like i always liked luke and han and r2d2 and i like all the ewoks why did you want to become a writer well, I've always, I've always loved stories and, and making stories and writing stories and drawing stories. And, and actually, that's one of the, the things that Star Wars inspired me to do is, um, you know, even just aside from doing, doing Star Wars drawings and books, just the idea of um, how exciting the stories were and how funny they could be. And so I always, I always loved that. And um, you know, when I see like how exciting a Star Wars film is or, or how funny a comic strip is, that made me want to make my own funny stories in comics. Those are all my questions. <laughs> Thanks. So going back to Ray and Pals, um, how long did it take you to come up with the the idea um, for the different sketches throughout the book? Um, so I think it took me a good couple months. Um, and, you know, so normally for the for the for those books, I come up with around 100, 120 ideas. Um, for Ray and Pals, I actually came up, ended up coming up with about 180. And part of that was when I, when I first got, got started on it, um, maybe some of the ideas were a little, they weren't as sweet as maybe the material in Darth Vader and Son and Vader's was. So um, it took me a while to get back into the groove of, of finding those, those kind of, uh, the sweet kind of moments that are just true to life and, and figuring out how the characters from, from force awakens and last Jedi would, would fit into those moments. Is, is, um, is the, is the approval process for doing your, those types of books different than say a normal uh, novel or from star Wars or, or uh, something like that? Do you think? Yeah. I mean, um, it's probably similar. So the approval process is just every every stage that I I work on something, then we go back to Lucasfilm, and then um, they either approve or give suggestions or feedback. So um, so the way these books work is so I you know I came up with these hundred eighty ideas with uh, for Ray and Powell, and then you know my me and my editor at Chronicle Books, the publisher, take them to Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm goes through and. They say, you know, they mark out the ones that they really like and the ones that, uh, you know, they think aren't quite as strong and the ones that they don't like at all or the ones that the story. And, um, and then my editor and I might go back and say, well, we really like this idea. Like, we really want to fight for this idea. And, and maybe we can tweak this idea this way for it to fit. And then um, so there's kind of a back and forth with, with, with the idea stage until we have, you know, the the 64 pages worth of ideas that everyone's happy with. And then the next step is I, I pencil all those out um, and then send the pencils in to the Lucasfilm and then they give the feedback and, you know, suggest changes or alterations. And then I do the final artwork and then um, send it back for, for approval one last time. And, and usually by that, by that stage, um, you know, there isn't anything that, that needs to be changed from, from what they. Okay. Um, trying to remember what my questions were going to be that Zoe didn't take. Um, what, what's next for you with, with Star Wars? 
Um, what's next is, um, is that, sorry, you, you cut out a little there. <laughs> what What's next for you in, in Star Wars, if you're able to say? Um, so, yeah, so right now, uh, sorry? Uh, you were starting to cut out. Okay. Um, so the next thing uh, for me with Star Wars is we've been doing calendars uh, every year and um, so we're working on the, so wait, I think next year's calendars are done. So we're working on the calendars for the year after that. And so every year I do a few new drawings for those calendars. And this, this time around, we're um, doing a new kind of uh, keepsake journal to go with those. That's kind of, you know, like a, where you can kind of collect memories of your, your kids' school years. And so I'm going to do some new, new material for that too. And that's all that's, that's official and planned, but, um, like I said, I'm hoping to, to get to work with like the characters from Rogue One and at some point. And of course, we have got a new movie coming out. So um, I'm sure there'll be um, new ideas coming from that. Okay. Now, being being a father myself, as you just heard, uh, what's it like exposing your, your kids to Star Wars? What was it like that first time that you showed them something of Star Wars? I mean, the, like, it's funny because like they were they've both been exposed to so much Star Wars stuff because I just have I have so many toys and books and things around. So even, at, you know, I would have to you know change my lifestyle to, to keep it all from them before yeah. seeing that film. But uh, the first time uh, my older son saw A New Hope, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he actually got really upset. Um, and he got really mad at me. And he's like, why did you show me this film? And he's, and um, I was like, I don't understand. This is like one of the greatest films ever. Why are you mad at me? And um, it was because he got really upset about Obi-Wan um, getting defeated by Vader. I was I was wording that to not not have any spoilers, but I'm, I guess I I'm not <laughs> no one that's listening to this is gonna it's not over, know that already. But it's over forty but, years. You know, it was like a yeah yeah. So it's a you know like just the idea that Obi Wan was killed was just he was not prepared for that. And I was like, but it's okay. He's a force ghost now. And he's, he just wasn't buying it for, for a couple of weeks. And then, uh, you know, then he came back around and, and Rogue One was actually the, the first film that, that I got to, to take him to the theater and, and watch with him, you know, live. And so that was really great. And, um, looking forward to, you know, that experience with him watching the, the new films, um, is is really like something that like brings me back to my childhood and going to see the films in the theater like there's nothing there's nothing like seeing the star wars films for the first time in the theater oh yeah so you you started him off with the original trilogy then yeah yeah we did we did the original trilogy and then the prequels and and at some point i'm nice. i'm not sure he may have watched he may have actually watched most of the clone wars show before seeing revenge of the sith so um yeah yeah that nice. that's that's what my daughters were waiting for disney plus for is to watch the clone wars she started watching it on her own before netflix took it off yeah we still have we still have like i still have all the dvds <laughs> it's like but it re, now it, at this point now it requires like unhooking a bunch of cables and like <laughs> finding something that can play DVDs to hook back up. So yeah, we're, we're probably waiting for that for, for my younger son to watch, watch any of that at this point. So uh, well, go ahead, Mike. Nope, go ahead. 
so you've made you've done um, a bunch of Star Wars books. How did you actually get into doing Star Wars books? I mean, you've done uh, all kinds of graphic novels and comics and stuff before, but how did you actually get into Star Wars? Yeah, so it um, you know it's just a lot of it was just the working hard and the being then being at the right place at the right time when the opportunity came. So what happened was I had met Ryan Germick, who um, runs the Google Doodle team. Like, you know, so like they have an internal team that does all the, the Google doodles, you know, for different holidays and special events and things. And um, so he he called me up uh, one day and, and occasionally they bring in an outside artist and their idea was wanting to do something with with Luke and Vader and how awkward an everyday moment would be. And my my earliest work was autobiographical um stories about how awkward like the most awkward embarrassing everyday moments were um but i also did like humorous science fiction parody kind of books and then he knew that i had become a dad recently and so he thought i'd be a good person to kind of tackle tackle that idea so i did up the sketches and sent them into google um and in the end google decided that um it just wasn't the right idea for them and decided not to use it and that's when i realized um I could maybe take it to Chronicle Books, who I'd, I'd worked with before, and I also knew that Chronicle has done a lot of Star Wars books and a lot of books with Lucasfilm over the years, and I thought um, they might be able to talk Lucasfilm into to turning this concept into a book. And so we, we kind of took all the sketches I did. I did some, some more finished drawings for it and then um, brought them to Lucasfilm, and, and they liked the idea enough to let us make uh, that first book. Awesome. So what inspired you to get into writing? Um, I mean, I just, I've always loved writing and drawing. Um, like my mom saves everything. So I still have all these um, drawings and things I made when I was a kid. And even I think the earliest book I made was I was like five years old. And I just, there's just something about books. I've always loved reading and, and I always like wanted to make my own books and I love drawing. And um, the thing with comics is, is I get to, write and draw at the same time. So not literally at the same time, but, um, you know, I get to tell stories with, with, and, um, the writing, the writing side of it, you know, is a little different kind of work. And then the drawing is kind of the fun, the more fun side. And, um, I, yeah, I don't know. I've just, I've just always, I've just always loved making books and, and so it kind of worked out really well to have it be- become something that I could not just do for fun, but like actually have it be my, my full-time job at this point. So I've always wondered then when somebody does writing and drawing, do you say, do you prefer the drawing part to the writing or? Um, I don't know that I prefer it. The drawing part tends to be more fun, especially with the Star Wars books, like just, you know, the, in the, the Vader books in particular, just like, so with Ray and Powell drawing the, um, drawing the, the Maz's castle scene was just a ton of fun. And (laughs) even just like drawing BB-8 in general is fun. And, um, and so, you know, the writing side is, is a little, it can be a little more work, especially for books like the Jedi Academy books, where, you know, you have to worry about plot and narrative and, and, you know, it's, it's not quite as simple as like, like just coming up with a gag for each page. Mm. Um, and I'm sure there's more research to the writing part as well, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Although doing Star Wars books, most of the research is just watching the films again and again, which I was doing <laughs> sure. anyway. So it's, <laughs> 
you know, I do, I actually, I do supplement it quite a bit with, you know, like I have like a million of the DK guidebooks and, and, mm. um, you know, just, I like every, every art book I've been able to find like the art of star Wars from, you know, from the early days to the more recent days and just going through those either for inspiration or for reference. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's fun that, that my research for these books is actually just something that I, I would do for fun anyway. <laughs> Well, that works out nicely then. Yeah. So I'm going to ask, favorite Star Wars moment with your kids? Favorite Star Wars moment with my kids? Um, I mean, I would have to say for for Oscar, it was definitely seeing Rogue One in the theater. Um, like, that was just, like, that was just great. Um, and I loved Rogue One. And maybe I love Rogue One more than I would have otherwise because, because it was, you know, the first time I got to take him to see a Star Wars film. Um, now with my younger son Simon, I don't know if it's—I <laughs> guess it's not really a favorite moment, but like I like one of the speaking of fun to draw, the Raptors were were really mm. fun to draw. But um, we were watching The Force Awakens, and I and my younger son had seen bits and pieces of it, but and I I swear he had seen the Raptors before, but we were watching and. And that was the moment that that he got terrified of Star Wars and decided that he was going to watch it again. And so, so all my favorite um, favorite moments for, with him for Star Wars now, look, since we're we have to wait, I have to wait till till he's um, forgotten how scarred he is by the Raptors. <laughs> um, like all my all my favorite moments with him are are mostly we we play with Star Wars figures all the time. So it's it's great because you know I get I get to have an excuse to one like. Buy, buy new Star Wars figures and to play with them um, as a grown man. And so, you know, we have like um, just a ton of stormtroopers and and he, the stormtroopers tend to be good guys, actually, when we play. <laughs> um, Jin and Cassie, and unfortunately, they, they're usually bad guys. Um, <laughs> I don't know which, which side of the of the force he's going to end up on. But um, yeah, so I just, you know, it's really fun to be able to, to like play Star Wars with him. But yeah, he hasn't quite figured out who the characters are always. Playing Star Wars from a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, do you find yourself when you go out uh, and there's a character or a figure that they want, that you're buying multiples, one for them, one for yourself? Um, no, I just, I, I just let, I just let him have them all. And then, and then sometimes I just, I might, I mean, one of the reasons we end up with extra stormtroopers because he was always in the stormtroopers to play with. And I was like, okay, we need to get more stormtroopers because sometimes I want to, I want to play with the stormtrooper. But um, yeah, the only, the only figure that I've kept aside for myself is I have got um, uh, like a, a original Empire Strikes Back Zuckus that, um, oh, yes. that, Somehow my mom, my mom had never given it to my brothers or I for Christmas. Like she had bought it as like a, like we used to get the figures in our stockings every year. And she had, um, she, she found this figure that she had never given us a couple of years ago. And I was like, I'm, I'm taking that. And, and then Simon, my younger son keeps coming into to the room where I have it. And he's like, can we open this yet? I was like, no, no, I'll get you, I'll get you a new figure later. I'm not opening that one. I'm staying in the package. Wow. Zuckus mint on card. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's mint. It's got like the Toys R Us price tag on it and but it's pretty great. Um trying to think what's next. Uh so we got all the good questions. That's what it is. <laughs> Leave it to my daughter. 
Well, yeah, she had the plan. The, the, the nine-year-old nails it. I have a I have a non Star Wars related question. Uh, how did uh, the idea for Incredible Change Bots come about? Yeah, so the Incredible Change Bots, my my Transformers parody. Um, <laughs> it, it just I mean I Transformers was another thing I grew up with. I loved the cartoons and the toys. I'm waiting and, on that one. And um, it's okay. So it actually starts back in high school when I had the soundtrack to the Transformers movie, uh, you know, uh, you got the touch, you got yep, the touch. Yep. Mm-hmm. And my, my friends, um, I, I still know all the words had, to that song. I had it. I had, I know probably more words than I should do it, but I had the soundtrack <laughs> and, you know, on a concept in my, in my Walkman and, uh. and my friends saw it and they were like, they were making fun of me. And they're like, my one friend was like, was like, so what is, what's on, what's on that tape? Is it just, and he was just doing like the, the sound effects, like this is 60 minutes of that. And, um, and it was something that always like stuck with me. And so then I was just doodling in my sketchbook one day um, and um, started drawing like, like I, you know, just made, I made up, came up with the name, the incredible change bots instead of transformers. And, and then it was like, it was mostly just like them changing back and forth with like the sound effects. And, and then also it was actually the, the other inspiration for it was, I was reading a Star Wars comic at the time, actually, and the sound effects for the lasers were all. It was there's something about that particular comic that the the sound effects for the lasers really stood out to me, and it was all bidu bu bu, and it just there was like a like a page where it looked really funny to me, and <laughs> and so then my so I added that to the change back too, just like the laser sound effects, and then yeah, and then eventually I I, I just. Um, I would draw them occasionally in my sketchbook, and then eventually I had the idea of just doing like a whole a whole book with these clunky cars, <laughs> golf carts, and things as as a, a parody. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Is, um, actually, uh, today before the show, I was downloading. There's a band called the Cybertronic Spree. They play a lot of conventions and stuff, but they're an actual metal band that dresses up as the Transformers. And they just finished up and um, released their first oh. album, which they actually got the, they did a Kickstarter, got the license to actually totally record and um, put out Transformers 86, the album you're just talking about. Oh, I nice. actually have that on my computer here because I have the digital copy. I'm waiting for the physical copy to come in still. I, I might have to look that up. Oh, yeah. They, look at Cybertronic Spree. Do, this, they, do their for sale yet, but it will be after they get all the Kickstarter stuff out. Right. Do their costumes actually transform too? Are they are those, are those kind of costumes? No, but they are. Um, they're actually all the all out of the Transformers the movie, so they're not able to actually transform, but because the, they actually have to be able to play their instruments and stuff on stage. I mean, they're out there actually <laughs> playing guitars, playing keys, playing the drums. Uh, there's all kinds of videos on YouTube from the, of their live performances and stuff. Is that the one where one of them is dressed up as RC? Yeah, Hot Rod and RC are the lead singers. Right, uh, right, Ron yeah. is actually the guitar is their lead guitar player. <laughs> nice, amazing. They sound awesome. I got to see him at House of Blues in Cleveland, and um, they were amazing. They played all, basically the entire album of Transformers '86, and then they also played a lot of other just general geek music. They had uh, Pokemon. They had a lot of uh, the Thundercats theme, a lot of different things that they played. So that's something you got to check out if you want to, for Transformers fans. That's cool. So um, are there any other books that you have planned or are you just waiting for Rise of Skywalker to come about? 
So right right now, I'm actually working on a new middle grade science fiction series. It's about a spaceship full of human and alien kids exploring the galaxy with with minimal adult supervision. There's there's robots, but the robots are are varying degrees of adult like. So um, I'm just just wrapping up the first book in that series. That should be out uh, next June. Excellent. Oh, will this Sounds be through through Chronicle as well? This one it'll be through Random House, who did okay. the they did the my Lucy and Andy Neanderthal series, which I kind of just there's three books in that series, and then um, and then I was ready for for a break from that. I like to to do something, change it up, do something different, go from from forty thousand years in the past to mm-hmm. not quite forty thousand years in the future, but <laughs> to a galaxy far, far away. Yeah. So tell, actually, I was going to ask you next about Lucy and Andy Neanderthal. What was the concept behind that or your, your thought process, process behind that? Um, back in it was like 2010, um, I had met someone from Nickelodeon and they were like, you should pitch a cartoon sometime. I pitched a cartoon and didn't really know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I was like, I should do that. And so I came up, you know, with um, Lucy and Andy because... At the time, there was all these new discoveries about Neanderthals, and and so they were in the news a lot. And then also, my son Oscar was really into you. He's really into like the BBC Walking with Dinosaurs, and okay. really into prehistory. And we had like watched every dinosaur video, and we kind of um, moved on from there to like then just prehistoric animals in general. And then we went into cavemen, and so. Um, I thought, you know, there's all this thing, science, it'd be kind of fun to do the Flintstones if the Flintstones was, you know, more, more based on what we know, how people actually lived in the Stone Age. And so that was the, what I pitched to, to this guy at Nickelodeon. And, and it was, was I, you know, it was a fun idea. And he, they looked at it and they're like, yeah, this is interesting. You know, like, thanks for sending it to us, but not really developed. And the characters aren't really there. And and, um, you know, I wasn't expecting that it would be made into a cartoon or anything, but it was fun to fun to do. And, and I kind of shelved that idea. And so um, when I finished up the Jedi Academy books that I, I only planned on doing the three books I did for that series, um, and then I was, you know, talking to people about what I might do next. And I remembered that I had this idea for this Neanderthal cartoon series. And, and I realized, like, it would actually be fun to do as a as a comic in, instead. And um, so I kind of reworked it and kind of worked on the characters more and did a bunch of research and, and started doing that series. Okay. Yeah, I, I got to say, I love your work. Um Last year, my wife and daughter got me Vader's Little Princess for Father's Day. Um, Zoe's been picking up through the Scholastic Book Club, the Jedi Academy books, uh, and really having fun with them. Uh, She says one of her favorite trade paperbacks that's not really a trade paperback. Um, Where can people find you online? Um, So my website is uh, jeffreybrowncomics.com, and... um, I, I try to avoid social media as much as possible, but I post on Instagram at Jeffrey Brown RQ. Okay, so that's that's where you can find me. Excellent, uh, gentlemen. Any other que- any last questions for Jeffrey before we have to let him go? Well, you've mentioned um, a couple of conventions and stuff like Comic Con and things that you do. You have any other conventions or anything or any other appearances that people can come see you coming up at all? Um, yeah, so uh, coming up this year, I'll be at the Miami Book Fair um, 
I think November, the date probably, November uh, 22nd and 23rd or right around there that weekend. So, um, yeah, so I'll be at the Miami Book Fair and um, that's all that's on the calendar so far. I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll be doing a lot more um, next year. I'll also be back in Florida um, for May the 4th next year, um, but I don't have the details yet. So Do you, do you know where? Um, but yeah, I, do you know uh, where in Florida? It, let me see. I can look that up. Fingers crossed for Central Florida. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, it'll be in Miami. <sighs> so close. <laughs> so lots of Miami coming up. Um, yeah, I'm going to do, I think, uh, um, some school visits. And so, um, yeah. But, you know, I, like um, when the new science fiction series comes out, we'll see. I might do some more touring for that. And then who knows when when and where I'll be at uh, the next Star Wars celebration. Next year, it's not. Where is it next year? Anaheim. I forget. Anaheim. Anaheim. So. Maybe I'll be maybe that'll be back in Florida someday. That sounds good. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Um, definitely go check out Jeffrey's book Ray and Pals. It's out now. Just came out back in August. Uh, also, to check out the rest of his line or the other titles in that series, um, Vader and Son, Vader's a Little Princess. Uh, there's a third one in there, isn't there? That I'm missing. Yeah, there's good. Good night, Vader. Good night, Vader. Yes, and then Darth Vader, Darth Vader and friends. So yeah, and then also to check out the three Jedi Academy books. Uh, thank you again for coming on with us. It was a blast. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So, um, well, again, I want to say thank you to Jeffrey Brown for coming on the show. Um, it's fun talk, and I'm so glad he was willing to entertain Zoe's questions again. Uh, her questions. Or, or right up there with us or some of the other podcasters that we know and love. Um, extremely bright for a nine-year-old. What do you guys think? Yeah, they were good questions. Yeah. I mean, some of them, I'm like, okay, I almost wanted to go, no, you can't ask that because I'm going to ask that. <laughs> no, you can't ask that one because maybe Ken or Derek's going to ask that one. It's what happens when you give her the first shot. Hmm, this is true. This is true. And she just, ran, she just went with them. But, hey, that's what she gets for being a little podcaster on her own. Her school had mm-hmm. a, her school had a podcast last year, and she was a part of it. So, ended up with lots of experience being on the mic and not being afraid to talk on the mic. So, gotta love her for that. I trained her well. <laughs> so, um, how about this? Let's start off with some stories of the week to finish us off. Um, because I mean, totally respect that uh, Jeffrey had had to you know, help get his kids to bed. At a decent hour as well. I know how that is um, as well. So uh, I'm glad we were able to make it work to, to get him on the show um, and, ha- and ha- have a great time. Uh, I can't wait for the next set of books that he puts out, Star Wars or non-Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And these calendars I want to get, I, I got to see. And looking at Chronicle, they've also done like postcard books with his work and a couple journals as well. And I think I almost want to get the Vader, Vader's Little Princess journal book for Zoe. Yeah. Well, I have, um, like I said to you guys before the show started, that I was actually read through and just flipped through the Vader and Son because that's the only one of his that I have right now. But it is awesome. This would be a great, you know, those um, 365-day calendars we just peel yep. the one off of? 
just one of these panels on each page for, I mean, that's a lot of art that he has to do, but mm. that's all this is. Cause his books are basically each page is another story. One of my favorite, they, one of my favorite out of Vader's little princess. And I swear it's going to be my life in the future is <laughs> Leia is wearing the slave slave Leia outfit. And Vader goes, you're not yeah. going out dressed like that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yep, that's my future. That is my future. Here's something I would love. And I know uh was it Air Japan has done it or one that one of the Asian airlines has done it with the R two D two and the C three PO. Well, Virgin Atlantic reveals a Falcon Star Wars Galaxy Edge inspired plane. This thing looks awesome. Um it is one of their 747-400s that features uh, the Millennium Falcon, uh, which is being used as like one of the icons for Galaxy's Edge. Gee, I wonder why. It's like sit. It's almost the hub of Galaxy's Edge. You know, like when you go to Magic Kingdom, you got the castle. You go to Epcot, Spaceship Earth. Go to Animal Kingdom, it's you know Tree of Life Studios. It's now doubles that you have for Studios the Chinese Theater. Then you refer to Galaxy's Edge, you have the Millennium Falcon. Um, so uh, this particular plane is called the Falcon, and it's the second plane that's featuring a featuring Galaxy's Edge as a destination. Uh, the other airlines doing it is um, LATAM. Never heard of it. Never heard of it either. Um, and theirs features uh, Galaxy's Edge inspired art as well, um, which LATAM Airlines unveiled the first image of its Galaxy's Edge inspired aircraft, um, which features a first order trooper on the tail, <laughs> which looks kind of kind of cool. And then the the, the plane itself kind of has a uh, first order trooper look. Um, this is due, this is going to fly out of Sao Paulo or La Horas uh, and fly to Orlando. Uh, in the past, they have also done other, um, there there have been other Disney inspired characters on planes before and and other airlines like Duffy the Bear, Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, Moana, Coco, Shanghai, Disney. Uh, but apparently United Airlines debuted at Celebration what their Rise of Skywalker paint scheme is going to look like for one of their planes. See, it'd be um, really cool if they would actually move some of this to um, inside the plane, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The theming. That'd be awesome. Uh, the Japanese, the, the airlines that did C-3P on R2-D2, they actually did because they had the towels over the seats that looked like that were embroidered with C-3P R2-D2 looks. Um, so, yeah, these planes, because I know Virgin Atlantic is doing a promotion with Disney where there's someone who, who can win a trip to Walt Disney World. Or they're giving away trips to Walt Disney World for Galaxy's Edge. Um, but this is this is all pretty cool. Um, this is easy for them too because it's they they probably could set this up. I mean, it's an actual paint, yeah. but it's almost like they're it, it looks like a wrap, like you get for your car or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it probably is. It's probably just a, light, a decal put on. Mm -hmm. Wonder so. how long you put that on a plane that large? Oh, who knows? Uh, now. Two hours and 35 minutes. I think a little longer than that. <laughs> That's how long it takes me to put one de one four-inch decal on the back window of my car. It's like <laughs> scrape, scrape, scrape. Okay, take a break. 
Scrape, scrape, scrape. Take a break. Make sure there's no air bubbles. No, no, um, no. You make sure you don't get the air bubbles. Squirt your back window lightly with um, Windex first, then apply the decal and just scrape the Windex out from underneath. It's a lot easier than get rid of the air. Hmm. Really? Interesting. Yeah. But you, when I was working at Burger King way back in the day, when you the, you know those plastic or the vinyl clings you put on yeah, windows? Yeah, yeah, That's what you would do. You would just you'd spray the window down with Windex, put it up there, and then just use like a credit card to um, smooth it out. Because it, it would dry on its own. It doesn't affect the adhesive or anything? I don't. Well, those didn't use adhesive. I don't know on the um, okay. on card deeds, but. See, I, uh, the uh, ones I have have adhesive. Ah, I don't know. I would you do a little bit of um, Google searching and see if it may work for that, too. Maybe. Oh, speaking of which, one of our uh, original co-hosts of Wookiee Radio back in the very beginning got to see her this past weekend. And uh, her and her husband are expecting their first kid. Y'all remember Vicky? Oh, yeah. So From Wookiee Radio? Yeah. We had her on in the very beginning. Back oh. when it was going to be five of us. <laughs> so... Yeah. So congrats to Vicky and, and Jesse on their on their kid. They got three yeah. more months to go. Oof. They're almost their uh baby's due in December. End of December. It's so a good time to have a kid. I'm assuming that's your birthday. I keep forgetting. <laughs> when it pops up, I'm writing it down in my in my phone so I have it. Um speaking of Disney, how can we not? Uh Bob Iger released his memoir, I guess, this week. And uh, it's titled The Ride of a Lifetime Lessons Learned from 15 Years as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And um, apparently he caused George Lucas to feel upset and betrayed upon learning of Disney's intent, intent to go in another direction than the plots he had planned out for the sequel after the company acquired Lucasfilm in 2012. Hmm. That's that's an understandable kind of. Um, I told you guys before we uh, start recording this that uh, remember when they announced all of this, that all the announcements were said that Lucas was working on a treatment for it, that Disney had bought the company, but they were going to finish and make Lucas's trilogy, right? And all that. All, that's what all the news was. And then all and then when JJ and everybody looked at what there was there and it didn't like it or someone did, didn't think it was going to work. And they totally reworked the whole thing. Remember, they fired who was it, Michael Arndt that they brought in. Yeah. Well, remember, too, they were talking that, oh, if you didn't like the midichlorians, the whole concept behind the wills was going to be even worse. Oh, yeah. They said midichlorians were small. This is going to get a lot smaller, working more of a, in like a microscopic world or something. Mm. Yeah, it was going to take the midichlorians down to the next next plane. Um. So according to the quote, uh, at some point in the process, George told me that he had completed outlines for three new movies. He agreed to send us three copies of the outlines, one for me, one for Alan Braverman, who um, Walt Disney Company Senior Executive Vice President and General Counsel and Secretary. And one for co-chairman and chief executive officer or chief creative officer, Walt Disney Studios, Alan Horn, who had just been hired to run our studio. Alan and I read George's outlines and decided we needed to buy them, though we made clear in the purchase agreement that we would not be contractually obligated, obligated to adhere to the plot lines he laid out. He can, Iger continues, he knew I was going to stand firm on the question of creative control. It wasn't an easy thing for him to accept, 
And so he reluctantly agreed to be available to consult us at our request. I promised that we would be open to his ideas. Uh, this was not a hard promise. Um, this was not a hard promise to make. Of course, we would be open to George's, George Lucas's ideas. But like the outlines, we would be under no obligation. So um, Iger then details the meeting with Lucas and Michael Arndt and Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy at Skywalker Ranch to talk about their ideas for the film. George immediately got upset as they began to describe the plot, and it dawned on him that we weren't using one of the stories he had submitted during the negotiations. Um, new quote. The truth was, Kathy, JJ, Alan, and I had discussed the direction in which the saga should go, and we agreed. We all agreed that this isn't that it wasn't what George had outlined. George knew we weren't contractually bound to anything. He thought that our buying the story treatments was a uh, tact tact promise that we would follow them. He was disappointed that his story was being discarded. I've been so careful since our first conversation not to mislead him in any way. And I didn't think I had now, but I could have handled it better. I should have been prepared. I should have prepared him for the meeting with JJ and Michael and told him about our conversations that we felt it was better to go in another direction. I could have talked, talked through this with him and possibly avoided angering him by not surprising. So what do you guys think so far? Well, I mean, that deep breath says it all. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, what did George expect, really? This is true. What about you, Ken? When you sell an idea, that that basically is exactly what it says. Whoever buys it can do whatever they want with it. There's really not much you can say. I mean, you can right. get upset about it, but right. as we saw, he did what they thought was going to be best for their new property. Right. Right. Uh, well, Iger admits now in the first meeting with him about the future of Star Wars, George felt betrayed. And while this whole process would never have been easy for him, we've gotten off to an unnecessarily rocky start. Well, that's, <laughs> that's partially his fault, too. As he said, he could have prepared him better for it. And he did. Mm-hmm. Right. One of those surprise. Yeah. Well, that's some with especially with Star Wars. In the original trilogy, he was collaborating with a lot of people because that's what they were doing. But at a certain point, we've talked about this before, that especially when you get into like the prequels, by the time he got to the prequels, he had full soul control and it had basically everybody around him was saying, yes, George, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. Mm, yes, right. he's, it's been so long since he had to actually throw ideas back and forth well, that it's yeah, been yeah, a lot yeah. harder to say uh, – um, to not get exactly what he wanted done. Right, right. Um, now, some of George's ideas that were incorporated, um, now, again, that resembled some of Lucas's. Lucas had envisioned a Jedi Padawan named Kira, which has eventually materialized as Rey. Um, an aged and exiled Luke, which happened. A story in between an in-training Rey and a reluctant teacher, um, uh, was inspired by Lucas's original concepts, which is what we got in Last Jedi. Uh, with the Jedi killer, Jedi killer character imagined by Lucas earlier being uh, materialized as Kylo Ren. Um, 
Now, Lucas commented on his plans for the sequels back in 2018, said uh, that it was going to get into the microbiotic world, exploring a world of creatures that operate differently than we do. Uh, I call them wills, and the wills are the ones who actually control the universe. They feed off the force. If I held on to the company, I could have done it, and then it would have been done. Of course, a lot of fans would have hated it, just like they did episode one um, and everything. But at least the whole story from beginning to end would have been told. Yeah. So well, we'll make it into Rogue One. Yes. And at least they're talking. About. They don't. They didn't um, explain them. But that's also something that people have always have criticized Lucas about that over-explaining when he got to the right. We didn't. Metaclonics maybe what caused the book work forever, but we we need to know. Man, your your ship's amps are really cranked up over there, Derek. Um, it's that new uh, hybrid you got. It's the new coupler. So, um, I don't know. Should, should Lucas, when he uh, sold the company, should he have said, "I'm going to do the, the the end of the tri- the the final bit of the saga, and anyone else could do like Rogue One and Solo"? But he should have read it, written it into the agreement that he did nine, ten, and or eight, uh, seven, eight, nine. I'm sure. I don't think Disney. For that with that i don't know i don't think that would have got past their legal team who, who knows if it was something that they wanted the franchise or wanted the company i'm sure i mean that's a minor thing yeah well also we know lucas has softened on some of this because everybody we all know that he has actually been talking or he was talking with jj and consulting up back on episode nine again yep he was on set for the mandalorian and for um solo and rogue one yep uh, we know Ron Howard with Solo actually had some meetings with George about the character of Han Solo. So George has softened up a little bit on this. I think, um, I, like Iger said, I think the problem with George and everything he said at the very beginning and about um, Dizzy being white slavers or however he called it, whatever he termed it, is what it felt like. That was him angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A couple of years, softened that up a little bit, and, he, and he's probably had time to talk with Iger because, you know, these guys know each other more than just in business. Oh yeah, well, because it, just, and it was Lucas, it was Lucas who went to to Disney mm-hmm. to sell the company, not Disney coming to Lucas. So it it was just a lot of probably Iger calling him and saying he, and apologizing and saying the way, knowing that they did it in a way that was going to put Lucas on the wrong foot. Right. And these types of things that over time now he's softened up a little bit. And, oh, a lot of my ideas did get in here, just not the way I wanted them. Right, right. Now he also reflects on um, on, on Lucas's disappointment over the Force Awakens because each of the new films in the original trilogy was important. It was important to him to present new worlds, new stories, new characters, new technologies. In this one, he said there weren't enough visual or technical leaps forward. He wasn't wrong, but he also wasn't appreciating the pressure we were under to give ardent fans a film that felt quite essentially Star Wars. Wow. Sounds like they listened to our interview back when The Force Awakens came out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the same thing. That the Force Awakens, Disney had to make that movie that way. To prove that, hey, we can make a movie that looks and feels like Star Wars. Right. Before they change anything. Uh, we intentionally created a world that was visually and tonally connected to the earlier films, to not stray far from what people loved and expected. And George was criticizing us for the very thing we were trying to do. Well, well 
Go ahead. When he saw that you know most of the script wasn't his, I'm, and he was under the impression it was going to be, and then they follow through on it, uh, do you blame him? Yeah. Well, that and remember, if George had made it, he wouldn't have to. He w- could have done a totally different movie because he didn't have to prove that he can make a Star Wars movie. Right. People would just look at it, whether they like it or not. The people look at the um, prequel trilogy and they know it's Star Wars. Whether or not you like what he did with it, it's still Star Wars because George Lucas made it. Right. Disney not have gone in a new direction right away if people say oh well that's still star wars it, it would have been more of oh this is what disney wants to do right force awakens actually if they wanted to do it a different way they could have released something that was not in the saga like put out rogue one first so it's a standalone they don't have to make, worry about it fitting in with everything else exactly yeah and then go do the sequel or the um, sequel trilogy and they could go in whatever direction they wanted but that's yeah. not the way they decided to do it i don't know how well that would have went over with the fans either yeah so the only way i think george would have had it the way he wanted it was if he had kept control of the company right now apparently there is a funko pop box that is tied to rise of skywalker that has come out the label on the box reveals that the TIE fighter vehicle Kylo Ren pilots is called the TIE Whisper. Huh. And it's Supreme Leader Kylo Ren in TIE Whisper is how the box is labeled. So Supreme Leader. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, so obviously it's not a Jedi Sith force based title. It's a political title he has taken. Yeah. Well, well yeah. We, go ahead, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say we knew they weren't, you know. He wouldn't be a Sith because right. he's already said, you know, basically he wants to ignore all of that old stuff. Right. And we know Snoke was Supreme Leader. Right. So yes. it was gone. He's naturally the next guy to step into that same position. Sort of like That'd be like if he killed the Emperor, he would now be Emperor Vader. Yeah. Or, or would he? <laughs> well, in theory, that's the way it should have it been. True. So when Kylo kills um, Supreme Leader Snoke, since he's in the second in command, he becomes Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. Now, the question's been brought up. Is it weird about his vehicle using the name Whisper, considering how emo he is? And how is this vehicle going to fit in his story? remains to be seen. I think Whisper may be more of what the sound. It may be a stealth TIE fighter. It it did sound pretty quiet in the trailer. When, yeah. 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 Um, compared to fighters that scream out there. Yeah. Now, from what Driver has shared in a Filoni style way in a previous interview, because it's hard to say because we're working towards something in particular with that character. I don't want to give anything away. Um, and the story from comicbook.com <laughs> replies back Are you kidding? Vader was worse than Kylo ever was. I think Invader got redeemed. Um, this is what Ryan Johnson has said in 2017. Also, I should just, for the record, say that I'm not involved in writing the, of the next movie. I'm an audi- I'm an audience member in it, just like you. So when I talk about what's going to happen next, it's in the context of, as a fan, what I'm thinking of. I think what most people are looking at, though, what we've seen t- Kylo Ren do is no- nowhere near what Vader did. But Vader also didn't kill Han Solo. True. For- from a fan perspective, he didn't kill one of the most beloved characters in the universe. <laughs> but he twice could have. Yeah. With Luke. But Vander never pulled that trigger. Um, true. Whereas Kylo killed his father. Well, Luke almost killed his. Well, you could say 
Well, no. Yeah, no. Never stepped away from it. He stopped. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I, I'm not saying... Kylo's not irredeemable. But I'm saying most people, I think, they're the problem they have with... Um, one is just the character of Kylo Ren. He he is what everybody keeps calling. He is an emo crybaby. That's just the way it, the character is written. Maybe that's not the way it's supposed to come off, but that's right. the way the character is written. Right. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Depends on what we see in this third movie. That may c- turn around and be awesome because of that. But it's like there's just a lot of things with Kylo Ren. He is um, not the greatest evil character written in the Star Wars galaxy. No, no. no. I think he's supposed to be, though. Yeah. True. I, I can see that. I, I can see that. Um, now, starting Sunday, I believe, over on... Wait, wait. Let me get this. Now, this week, as we've been talking, uh, there's been a week-long takeover of Galaxy's Edge across uh, Disney's media assets. Um Except for Sunday, over on NBC, we got the first TV spot for the for the Rise of Skywalker, um. which basically was the last half of the D twenty three footage. So no, nothing new. But with Galaxy's Edge. Um, there was a lone mention on Tuesday's live and live with Kelly and Ryan uh, on ABC. Um, it was a plug. Um, that was drowned out by the audience applause. And then a scripted theme park plug later later that night on Blackish, which everyone's saying felt a little forced. Um, but on Sunday, starring Neil Patrick Harris is a two hour special on Freeform. Yes. About Galaxy's Edge. Well that'd be cool. Um so we've actually talked about that special before. Yeah. Yeah. Now on Thursday, uh, Good Morning America, the the View, uh, Tamron and Hall, and Stranahan, Sarah and Kiki are, um, and even Nightline is being recruited to help prop up attendance at the theme parks on Thursday night or Thursday morning and Thursday night. Uh, it's also going to carry over to Disney Channel, Disney Junior, and even ESPN over the weekend. Uh, and then the two-hour dedicated special. Um, which is there anyone really watching Freeform? Uh, nope. I mean, there were a couple shows I watched. Cloak and Dagger, I was watching. Uh, Sliced, I think that's what it was called. I was watching briefly. Yeah, I watched Shadowhunters. Uh, Vic and I were watching Shadowhunters for a while, but that's over. Yeah. They had one watched half of the first season of the Mermaid one, Siren or something like that. Yeah. We never got to finish it out. Yeah. They have some decent stuff. on Geekwatch one, we talked about it uh, last year, two years ago, when um, they started, when they started putting the Marvel stuff on there. That freeform very much feels like the CW when they first started. That this was, a, you could tell, it's a channel that was appealing a lot to like. Um, Younger female demogra- demographic, like teens and early twenties, but they're start. They were starting to pick up and add geek stuff to it to start picking up the cred for that. Yeah, which is that's what the CW started with. So they had a chance, but it looks like now they now they're dropping off a lot of this other Marvel and all those things. That now would where are they going to go? <laughs> right. But there's your there's very easily your chance if you want if they were going to try to get a Star Wars live action show on broadcast or cable television. Not just streaming, freeform. I think would be the spot to put it. Probably because that is their uh, that is the channel for their um, more not edgy but uh, experimental type stuff. Seems like right. Well, stuff that would that they don't think would make it for mainstream ABC. Well, how about this one though? 
uh, Star Wars Resistance, October 6th. Awesome. Everything starts that week. We're not that far away. Yeah. Mm. And I did see that Resistance is on Disney+. Plus. Now, are they going to put the current season on there while it's airing? I don't know. Or are they going to do it after it's over? I haven't heard. It's one of those I haven't heard. Mm-hmm. So, um, tell you what, why don't you guys join me over on StarWars.com and wrap up the show with a little quiz that we should all take. So how you're going to get there is once you're there, click the news and blog. And then the quiz is what Star Wars device can't you live without? Let me know when you guys are ready. I saw it on there. I've not taken the quiz yet, though. Well, you ready? We're going to take it. I will be here in just a minute. How about you, Ken? Or Derek? Okay. I think you're muted. Okay. All righty. Question one. How do you like to spend your free time? Exercising, watching videos online, reading, talking on the phone. Reading. Either reading or watching videos either way. Right now it's been watching videos. It's been watching videos recently for me. Number two, what's your focus and top priority right now? Podcasting. Uh, My studies, keeping in touch with families and friends, finding a work-life balance, enjoying life. Enjoying life. Enjoying life. How would you describe yourself? Adventurous, hardworking, detail-oriented, friendly. Detail-orientated. Mine's probably friendly because Vicky keeps telling me I talk too much. I'm going friendly as well because I get the same problem. Uh, Complete the sentence. I inspire to be more fit, outdoorsy, social, informed. Informed. I agree. I don't know. I aspire to be more fit. (laughs) It doesn't say what he's at. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what Star Wars character, number five, what Star Wars character would you take on a road trip? Oh, this is a tough one. Jabba the Hutt, Chewbacca, Yoda, or R2-D2? R2-D2, he can fix any problem that goes on. What are you driving that you can fit Jabba the Hutt in R2-D2? I have no clue. I almost, I almost want to say Chewbacca as much as I want to go R two D two because of the same thing y'all said. I almost want Chewbacca just in case I run into a road wage, road rage, space rage incident. I got Chewie to back me up. R two's got that arc welder. He'll, he'll he'll light some people up. Sure. What climate do you prefer? Tropical, dry, temperate, polar? Temperate. Temperate. I agree. Even though you guys live in almost polar. No. No. <laughs> no. Um, what would you pack for a trip involving air travel? Laptop, headphones, eye mask, or a good book? Laptop. Probably laptop, yeah. Yeah, laptop, tablet. Choose one real-world device that you cannot live without. 4K TV, smartphone, tablet, gaming system. Smartphone. Smartphone. It's all three of the other ones put together. <laughs> it's my organizer as well. What's your priority on vacation? Relaxing somewhere serene, getting projects done at home, finding new places to eat, staying on schedule. For me, it's relaxing somewhere serene. Yeah. No matter how I, hectic it is. I like finding new places to eat when uh, out of those selections. Uh, where would you choose to study in a galaxy far, far away? The Jedi Temple, Imperial Academy, private tutor on Octu. Who needs school? I prefer life experience. Jedi Temple. For me, it's either that or the life experiences. I, I'm going to go life experience since Derek went Jedi Temple. I'm, I'm going to go private tutor. So what was your final result there, Derek? The data pad. Ooh, what was the description for it? You spend every free minute you have head down, eyes glued to your trusty data pad. And who wouldn't? This handy device is everything you need to stay informed on galactic happenings. Okay, screen. See if you can save that image with the data pad. Send it to me. I want to try and use it for the website. Uh, Ken, what do you have? 
I got the hollow projector. Same here. Mm-hmm. The best way to intimidate underlings and negotiate bounties isn't through a simple comlink call. You're going to need your handy hollow projector to make sure everyone knows your, your mean business. Yep. Now find out which woman of the galaxy you're most like, oh, with the next Star Wars quiz. Yeah, we'll do that another day. I'm just going to share this on my Facebook, and then you can probably be able to pull the image right off of it. Oh, I have it. Okay. Fine, then. Fine. Anyway. I'm going to share um, Any final thoughts? Uh, Yes. I had one final thought, and that is to say happy birthday to uh, Mark Hamill and Donald Glover. Yes, happy birthday to, to both of them. The great Jedi Master and young Lando. <laughs> and uh, one other final thought real quick. I believe we have an anniversary to celebrate this past week. Ooh. Didn't you have one? Well, yeah, it was Melissa and I are celebrating 27 years as a couple, not marriage. Hey, it's still an anniversary, man. Our Congratulations. An- our anniversary was uh, our wedding anniversaries in June. Yeah. yeah. 27 years as a couple, which also happens to fall on the same day that my dad passed away, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which was two years ago. If you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. I think that that was, it was that week was the first time I did not appear on any one of my podcasts. Yeah, but sometimes you need to take that break off and say, you know what? <laughs> yeah. No. As take much, care of life for- As much as I did jump in briefly for, for a few minutes when I got home that next week, uh, yeah, that was still you guys running the show, and I still appreciate you guys doing that. It just shows how strong uh, of a podcast family I have developed between the three shows with the five of you that I call co-hosts, or four of you that I call co-hosts. So, and, uh, and on top of that, I know you guys are the same way with y'all's hosts and y'all's other shows that y'all are just as tight and just as close. So, um, so I'm, I'm very thankful for you guys for that. Not meaning to get all cheesy and, and mushy <laughs> at the end of this episode, especially after such a great interview we had today. Um, but no, truth be told, it's got to come out and that, that's how we feel, but that's how I feel about you guys. Thank you, sir. So, um, if there's nothing else, then there's only one thing left to do. Give the evacuation code. Code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jinx, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. Oh, <laughs> 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 